0: It's very, very off the radar. Very, very technical. I know you just don't understand what this does. And as soon as you do, you'll switch everything. Hello and welcome. So in today's show, we are joined by Dave Collins and Exus, as always. And we're just going to be talking about what to expect from the up and come or upcoming consensus change, which is now locked in. Um, and within the next thirty days, I think it might be twenty-five days, um, we'll be upgrading to. 1.8, um, and what this means going forward for, for Decred. So, uh, afternoon, gents. How are we all? You're
1: doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> Very good. Happy to be here. Ah, oh, fantastic. So, um, because a lot of people will be watching this, they probably haven't gone through the, the consensus upgrade of, of Decred before, I wonder if we can just talk about the, the, the def- different aspects of the upgrade. So, how did this upgrade come about? Um, how did it get into its initial stages, and and how we got to where we are, and and then we'll move forward from that. I should say before we get into it, before Dave starts answering all my my questions, is there are two things unfolding here. The first thing is a change from Blake two five six to Blake three, um, which is the mining algorithm, and the second change is a further reduction of the um, the miner reward from the initial. Reduction took it from sixty percent to thirty percent of each block, and this reduction takes it takes it from ten percent to one percent. So, with all those things done, let's let's just look at the the, the process. So, how did this come about? What made you guys um, go right? We, we need to do some more to get to get this under control, to get um, the what what do we call it the suppressor under control, and and kind of put us back on track.
1: Sure. Well, we have been continuing to monitor the effects of the previous change when we went from 60% down to 10% as far as the power rewards, uh, proof of work rewards. And we saw that essentially there wasn't any change in behavior, just the uh, scale at which they were doing it was reduced almost exactly in line with the reduction. Um, So you could see the number of coins that were being used, the number of coins that were uh, being whenever, for example, there was a price spike, you would watch the same kind of behavior happen. And it was like, okay, well, how many coins were used to do that? How many did it take? And what effects did that have on the overall balances that are known, uh, that belong to them? There might be some others that aren't, but at least the ones that were known. And so you could see that there was no change in the behavior other than the reduced scale. So it became pretty clear that, okay, well, we need to we need to go further. Um, then we also ran some numbers to look at the, profitability of mining underneath the change and to see that are we still overpaying for mining or not and it was pretty clear that we are significantly and uh, so yeah that that was that's the primary reason you can look at everything and so we decided that we need to go further
0: yeah so so these discussions i think we had some discussions in matrix and obviously in, in twitter but um going from that We then had Jake put up the proposal for it, obviously got voted on. And and that was just to see if the community wanted the work done, see if they were in favor and see if they'd pay for the the upgrade process. So the bit that I'm really interested in is once that proposal went through and it was successful and you got clearance to start building building this implementation, what is the process from, from building and getting it on, getting it into everyone's wallets or into everyone's software? uh do you mean in terms of
1: the the actual process of the the deployment or more along the development side which side are you looking
0: yeah for? it's it's more to, it's more to do because although i understand the net the next part it, the bit that i'm unsure about is obviously it got built and then what happens from that point on how do we get to um it actually being put onto everyone's decredit on and things like that
1: oh, okay so i think you're talking about the general process of deployment Right, so uh, the, the code gets done, get, we, we complete it, and then we release software that has the changes in there, but they're dormant. And the, in order for those changes to take effect, first it has to go through uh, the entire upgrade process. And I can quickly kind of outline that. So the first part of the process is that it, there, it waits until the miners, a majority of the miners, have upgraded, have 95% to be specific as well as the majority of the stakeholders have upgraded their software. That one's 75%. So once those two things have happened, the voting can then begin. Uh, and then once the voting starts, there's uh, some rule to be, I guess, more of a high level. There are certain intervals that the voting can start on. Uh, we call it a rule change activation interval. But essentially what happens is is it's it's a system that, so everybody kind of has some heads up uh, they, they'll know exactly at what block voting can start, when rules will lock in, uh, or when they'll activate and things like that. So it, rather than uh, it'll kind of happen whenever enough votes are received or, or having some kind of a relative system, it's, it's, it's more of an absolute system where you know exactly that if it happens, it's going to happen on these specific blocks. Um, so, okay, so then once the voting starts, everybody votes. Uh, and if it passes, uh, which is uh, it has to have a, a majority of the votes that pass, and once the, if it, if it does pass, you have a lock-in period. And that's actually the stage that we're at right now. The, the current vote has already passed, as you mentioned previously. And so then we have the, the lock-in period, which is roughly about 30 days. And then after the lock-in period happens, it activates. Uh, that, so that's the, the main process. So one of the things I do kind of want to mention here uh, is when in the initial stage, the point of, why we wait for the miners to upgrade and the stakeholders to upgrade is that because the software has the changes, All in order for things to be smooth or for the transition to be smooth, should the vote pass, everybody has to be running those new rules already or to, to have the capability of switching over to those new rules. They have to be running the new code that understands those new rules should they activate. And so in order for that process to be smooth, you want to make sure that you have the vast majority of both proof-of-work miners and proof-of-stake miners upgraded and already running that that new code that has the ability to switch over. And that prevents any kind of issues where, OK, the vote passed, and now the, the new rules activate, but maybe only half of the network understands them and the other half doesn't. And it kind of can create a, a little bit of a havoc or chaos if, if it weren't smooth like that.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's great. Thank you, David. I, I kind of because we went through this just over a year ago so the first the first um, um, minor switch or the reduction of minor awards was May 15th of last year I kind of remember remember all these parts and, and going through it live is, is quite an interesting process really um and the one thing that I wasn't 100 percent sure about is, is, is that initial stage which how does the how does the actual software get implemented And that thank you for um, just going over that for us thats that's brilliant. Um, and like Dave said, then, then we go into vote. So I always forget what the, um, the quorum rule is for this. It's it, when you're in the voting stage for the, for proof of work to be, sorry, proof of state to be voting, it's a 20% quorum of which 75% of those have to be yes. Is that right?
1: 10% quorum and then 75%. 10%. Yes.
0: I always, yeah, I always get that wrong. Thank you. Um, one thing that was also really, really impressive was how quick that stage actually went through. So, f- from the miners upgrading all of their um, equipment from like zero, zero percent having the upgrade to to that ninety-five percent, literally happened in that first month cycle. Now, one thing I looked at, and I think this might have been um, implemented in the last, in the last, the last time we did this, is there was a, a, a process for speeding up the miners to to get over to that um, that new um, onto the new software i wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about how how did how did we manage to get the miners onto new software because obviously this is massively contentious for them you know having having you know 90 percent of their current reward slashed from them how did we manage to get to the point where they were okay to upgrade All Right,
1: that's a great question i think one of the kind of misconceptions uh, here well i guess i'll i'll cover it a little bit is that what i was just talking about before the primary reason really the only reason that we wait uh before voting begins for both the proof of work miners and the proof of stake miners to upgrade is that we want to ensure that the actual process should the rules change is smooth uh, it isn't supposed to be a, a veto mechanism for miners to say nope i don't want to screw you i'm not going to upgrade <laughs> right that's the uh, that isn't the, at all the point it's like whether or not stakeholders or miners agree with the change that doesn't have any bearing on the upgrade, because remember, upgrading doesn't mean that the rule is going to pass. It's the stakeholders who decide whether or not the rules are going to be implemented or not. Uh, so the, even the ability, really, for, for miners to to be able to potentially stop a vote from happening, that isn't at all intended. And in fact, that's probably something that I think might be worth revisiting and changing in the future uh, to so make it so that that isn't even a possibility because that isn't the intention. The system was originally designed underneath the assumption that uh, the vast majority of your proof of work is honest. And unfortunately, as we've discovered, <laughs> that hasn't turned out to be the case in Decred, but because we designed the system in such a way that the stakeholders have ultimate power, that is the mechanism that we use to to make this uh, happen to basically incentivize them to upgrade quickly uh, in the sense that what we did is that because the stakeholders have to uh, approve kind of like second factor excuse me second factor authentication because the stakeholders have to approve every block, we use the staking system that says that okay well if you haven't upgraded by this point, we're just gonna, we're not gonna accept your blocks. So it forces the miners to upgrade. So, so either you upgrade or you don't get anything, you get no rewards. And so that's the mechanism that we used.
0: I oh, think, yeah. I was, uh,
2: the, sorry, X Cisco. I was going to say my observation was maybe the miners weren't even reading what was uh, being changed, and they would just upgraded because uh, people said, "Oh, you have to upgrade," so they went ahead and did it. Because it feels like the proof of work miners are so disconnected from our community and what's going on. Uh, I'm probably incorrect, but that's my kind of theory or observation. Unfortunately,
1: it's it's possible they are pretty disconnected. I think I think you're right about that. Uh, I mean, I. I would say in this case, they're probably pretty aware of what's changed, because if you look at the release notes uh, and I know that uh, some of the questions were asked uh, on other channels about uh, if there was anything that was changing that they had that they needed to do anything about as far as uh, upgrades or anything that's going to break them, for example. And uh, they mentioned the release notes and right at the top of the release notes, it specifically says, you know, <laughs> in, in bold what's going to happen. So, I mean, you, you could be right. And it is very true that they're they're extremely disconnected but uh, they're probably pretty aware of this change, I would say. We, we, we announced it kind of far and wide.
2: Yeah, uh, but yeah, this, this change happened so fast. It, it felt much faster than the last change, and it felt like you guys pushed it out in a certain window so where everything would, would sync up really fast. So that was really great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could, could touch on that a little bit if you want. So it, usually we have historically tried to give about a month of upgrade time from, and so kind of sit back and we calculate it. And we usually we're just, we say that, okay, well, if we're going to release the software, say on August 1st, we want to make sure that they have at least until November 1st to, to upgrade something like that. Sorry. September, uh, September 1st. So they have a month give or take. But this time, what we did is we actually looked at when the member, I think at the beginning, I mentioned that there's those those actual intervals, those specific blocks at which things can progress when the vote can start, for example. So what we actually did is we looked at, okay, when is the next interval going to happen? And we specifically said that, okay, we're, we're going to set it at a point to make sure that there have to be upgraded by the point that interval happens so that we're not stuck waiting another month because otherwise we, what we noticed is that, and I'm, I don't have any proof, but I'm going to guess that it was very intentional that on the last one, the miners actually delayed the upgrade past the point, almost exactly past the point at which the voting could have started so that it took another month before the voting started. And that's why last time it took so long is that and if they had upgraded and they had, they could have easily have been upgraded by the point they were given a month. But because of the way that, that interval fall, that it fell that I just talked about it fell that so the the month upgrade window came just after the point at which the uh, the activation point or the uh, the rule change interval or that point at which voting could have started it came just after that point and the result was is that it ended up taking like another 29 days before the vote started because they seemingly intentionally waited till the last minute so that it would go through that Uh, so this time we just made sure that we we set the interval of course the Effect of that was that they had less time to upgrade versus they didn't get the full month to upgrade. But uh, we didn't feel like that was a big issue because the reality is is that upgrading for a miner takes less than 20 minutes. Nothing changes for them. All they have to do is go run the latest version of the software. They don't have to, to upgrade any anything else. Unlike a lot of times if you're dealing with uh, some of the other things such as the decentralized the exchange or wallets, they might have to implement uh, new features. For for example, even with this change, uh, you, you, they have to upgrade or i um, sorry, they have to implement the ability to change the subsidy that's being produced with votes, for example so there's different things that have to be upgraded from a minor perspective though they literally have to do nothing except for run the new software they don't even have any less than 20 minutes of downtime so we we figured uh two to three weeks was plenty of time
0: yeah oh, that's, that's brilliant i was we was having a conversation in the nsa group um which is the no scam alliance with a with a DigiByte member, and she asked me, she said, "You know, how how are you going to get that to pass? How are the miners ever going to um, agree agree to that?" You know. Um, so I walked them through, and they were they were gobsmacked. And and when when we was talking about how quickly this this had all progressed, it, it, it is actually quite astounding um, that these mechanisms are in place, and and this could this is probably the most contentious um, upgrade that there could there could possibly be where the main people are involved. I, I think the only other one that might be more contentious is if it went the other way, where we, we said, okay, we're now gonna um, reduce the amount of proof of, proof of stake. Um, out of interest, and if you don't have the answer, it's not a problem, but out of interest, are there any mechanisms to kind of get the proof of stake voters to, to upgrade in, in much the same way that we do with the miners?
1: There are, but it works a little bit differently as far as that's concerned. Because the stakeholders, you kind of have a little bit of a, a chicken and egg problem there, so to speak, is that because the stakeholders are the one that kind of control everything, You it makes it a little bit more difficult. But you can essentially do the same type of uh, idea where you, have, you can have the stakeholders duke it out, so to speak, right? So you have the people who have upgraded could, for example, choose not to vote on those who haven't. And so you kind of, you can create the situation where you'll, if you, if you end up in that kind of case, it'll reduce the rewards, not, it'll reduce the rewards for everybody basically. And so you kind of create an incentive for the rest of them to upgrade too, because you're going to cut, you essentially cut their resort. They don't go to zero like it would with proof of work, but it does reduce the amount of rewards. And so uh, if you're actually at the point, like why wouldn't you want to upgrade though? Because remember upgrading doesn't mean that it passes. So what, if you kind of think about how that would play out, if you had the majority of stake that hadn't upgraded, they have enough voting power to veto the change. So, you know, it it wouldn't make any sense for you to try as a stakeholder to say like, Oh, well I'm going to try not to upgrade because I don't like this change and eh, I I don't want to do it. I'm going to try to stop it. Well, it, you can stop it already if you have the majority. And if you don't have the majority, then the majority can vote you down to force you to upgrade, right? So.
0: Yeah, that's really clever. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it like that. And I said, the incentive is to upgrade so you can vote. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's absolutely amazing. Um, So to going forward then, now that the ASICs are pretty much out of the question, we're probably unlikely to have a a Blake 3 ASIC mine for for a little while, I suspect, if, if ever um what what will the what will the hash rate and the the mining hardware or, or the um the the mining volume sorry the hash rate volume look like going forward at the moment i think we're at something like 53 petahashes what 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 kind of numbers are we going to be looking forward forward to? uh, sorry t- tongue tied on my words
1: <laughs> uh kind of hard to say for sure uh because you know, it depends on a lot of factors, but if we kind of take into consideration the reduced subsidy, um, what the current exchange rate is, where the profitability envelope falls, I guess it's probably going to stabilize somewhere between one and two terahashes per second. And it might, uh, on the surface, that might sound a little bit alarming, particularly because as you just mentioned, I think we're in between 50 and 55, we're kind of uh, oscillating somewhere around the petahashes, that is, sorry. 50 to 55 petahashes. And so obviously uh, going down to one or two terahashes seems like a, a large drop in hash power and it is. But it, it's probably worth noting that uh, the main concern typically when it comes to the, the amount of hash rate you have is the how it affects the security of the network in terms of the attack cost. But in Decred, it, it'll have almost no impact whatsoever on the actual attack cost because the vast majority of the attack cost by far comes from proof of stake. And in fact, because the amount of proof of stake or the percentage that's going to proof of stake is going up, you're, we're actually going to get a, an amplifier or an even larger effect uh, security on that side of it that more than makes up for the, the any security that you would lose on the proof of work side. I believe it's uh, the last time I calculated it; it's somewhere around ten times increase. In fact, so so it's not a re, it's not a reduction. In fact, it's an increase in security as far in terms of the attack cost. Yeah,
0: that's absolutely amazing. And I mean, one thing I always kind of uh, look at is the environmental impact as well i know i know a lot of people aren't too too concerned about that but when when the narrative comes up about bitcoin i think it was last year you know about them being um uh, not very environmental with all their mining and then you think that we're going to be able to run a pretty much unbreakable chain with with two um do you say tera hashes yeah two terahashes of, of 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 mining power which presumably i mean what does that look like in terms of how many GPUs is two terahashes, roughly?
1: Uh, probably somewhere around, if you're talking, depends on the, the actual type of CPUs, yeah. but I guess we'll kind of say somewhere around the upper to, upper range, but not necessarily. Maybe if you're talking about a 3090 Ti, let's see, they get roughly two gigas. So yeah,
0: about 500, somewhere around in there. 500. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. 500 systems running rather than probably one warehouse has got for for Bitcoin. Um, ASIC's probably got double that hasn't it really to to kind of mine that so uh, from from that standpoint i know i know it's probably not relevant but from that standpoint it's actually it's quite impressive i like that um it's still something i'm i'm very much looking into and i need to i need to look further at the, the mining mining stuff but um the next thing that's on on my list here then is that we've got this this new algorithm called um assert which is mining difficulty algorithm oh sorry it's absolutely scheduled exponentially weighted rising targets which is the how we're going to be calculating our difficulty level um it looks crazy interesting and i think pre-show we had little discussions at nas it's just a way of keeping on track but i wonder if you could um just for people not familiar um what what is the asset mining algorithm going to do and how's it going to help this scenario that we're going in going into
1: all right so uh i could approach this a few different ways i think i'll probably just kind of focus on the benefits at first. So the main reason really that we, we kind of changed it is, uh, so the as you mentioned, the, the assert algorithm is, it's a, every, in order for the, the the hash power, the amount of uh, the block production schedule, right? So you want to have a, a certain target block rate for, for Decred, that's five minutes. On average, you want to produce a block every five minutes. In order for that to happen, there's a what's known as a difficulty adjustment algorithm. The, the current one that we're using is, a, is known as EMA or exponential moving average. And so this new algorithm addresses some uh, attack vectors essentially that have been discovered against GPU mining since previously when we were GPU mining. Uh, to kind of put it this way is that as, as we mentioned earlier because the hashing algorithm is changing and the current ASICs are no longer going to work, we're almost positively gonna be going back to GPU mining. And so under GPU mining in the intervening years, a lot of the GPU miners have kind of found out ways that they can uh, eke out an edge by what's really kind of has a very negative effect on the change that they're doing it to. And without going into too many details on it, the, the basic premise of it is, is that what they do is they, they do what's called hidden run mining or switch mining because a GPU isn't locked to the, a specific chain kind of like an ASIC usually is, is. you can, For example, with Decred ASICs, you can only mine Decred and, and that's it. But with GPUs, you can mine any other blockchain that allows GPU mining. So GPU miners can choose, for example, that, oh, I want to mine Decred for this amount of time and then I want to switch over to another one for this amount of time and then I want to switch to a third chain. And so what they've kind of discovered is that Uh, for most of the difficulty adjustment algorithms, there is a way that you can make it where you gain an edge by effectively only mining the chain for a short period of time and then switching to another one and then switching to another one. And you kind of like quickly running through and you're round robining and it on the surface might not seem like that big of a deal, but what happens is, is that you cause a a bunch of uh, negative consequences on the chains that you're doing that to. And most of the mining software now, because it's more profitable to do this, or they found out that from, in many occasions it's more profitable to do this, most of the mining software already does now does this by default. And so if we're returning back to GPU mining and people are using the most popular software out there that automatically does this by default, we want to make sure that we are protected against this type of behavior. And so the existing algorithm is actually not uh, significantly susceptible to it. It still is susceptible to it, but not as much as, say, for example, Bitcoin's algorithm, because most of this was discovered against the the, the against Bitcoin algorithm, Bitcoin's algorithm, and, and the ones that were derived from it. And many coins still use something very similar to that. In Ecre, we switched over to the one I mentioned earlier. I mentioned earlier the EMA, exponential moving average, which kind of interestingly enough is a an approximation of the new algorithm. Uh, uh, because the new algorithm is also exponentially based, but it goes a little bit further. So it's kind of like a, a first order approximation of the, the, our existing algorithm. Uh, so kind of like the result of that, though, is that we aren't as susceptible to it as we would be if we were, say, using Bitcoin's algorithm. But it is still enough of a concern that we wanted to make sure that, that there, there's no potential issue there. And that's just one. There's some other attack vectors that have kind of been discovered that are similar in vain. Uh, And but that's kind of the idea. I guess I didn't really mention what some of those negative consequences would be. Uh, And so uh, the the main thing there is that what happens when miners are kind of doing the switching is that it really causes, depending on the difficulty algorithm, of course, but it kind of causes significantly higher variance in the transaction confirmation times. So, for example, most of the time you see transactions should be confirming with an average of five minutes. But when this type of behavior is going on, you could actually have periods that might take up to an hour for per transaction confirmation for days on end. And then all of a sudden, once they, they kind of switch, everybody switches back over, everything speeds up super fast. And now your transactions are getting confirmed maybe in a few seconds for a short period of time for a few hours. And then all of a sudden you're back to hour long confirmation. So it's a really poor, it can create a really poor user experience if you're not uh, able to handle this properly. And, and then another, uh, negative consequence of it is that it essentially penalizes miners who aren't doing that, who aren't chain hopping. Because I guess let I me mean, we can kind of put it in terms of uh, maybe maybe an analogy is imagine you're there, you're you furnish a house, you spend all this time, you're building everything up, and then a whole bunch of partiers show up and ransack the place and then you steal a whole bunch of your stuff and leave. And you're left to pick up the pieces, and, and so the miners that are there, they pick up all the pieces, they rebuild it, they refurnish it, and then all of a sudden the, the partiers show back up and ransack it again. And that's kind of like the, the, the idea of, what, of what's going on. And so you then disincentivize, disincentivize the miners who are kind of doing what they should be doing, which is providing hash power and steady mining the chain. And so you kind of can end up in where a snowball effect where those, those that are left over are like, man, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this. This is, uh, it's actually uh, not, not beneficial to be. So they either decide they're going to hop on the bandwagon, which further exacerbates the previous point that I was mentioning, where you, you, you further cause even wilder swings in the variance, or they just quit outright. And then you, know, you, you don't have the, uh, as much hash power as you would have otherwise.
0: Yes, one of the things I was noticing, I think you you corrected me a little bit on this, but I liked the idea of getting closer, uh, more consistently closer to that five minute time, especially when you're using things like um, DCR decks where the settlement happens on chain. And I've been in periods of time where it's taken 10, 20, 30 minutes for for a block to, to go through. Then all of a sudden you get three next, next and I actually noticed that more on um, chains like Litecoin as well, where they've got these really short um, it's got these really short confirmation times, but it, it can take like 10-15 minutes for one, and then all of a sudden all five come through, all the next four come through pretty much instantly after that. So from a consistency and a, a user user experience point of view, I, I see this being a, a massive positive, actually. I was, I, I was looking through the algorithm, I thought, wow, that's, that seems really, really interesting. And I really like the fact that you guys are, are so on it that you're thinking about all these these edge cases as well, which is absolutely brilliant. Um,
1: well, I, I do kind of want sorry. to talk about that because it, it could be kind of confusing. So uh, there is, the, the, the mining process by its very nature is, does have a a bit a high amount of variance built into it within the whatever your target block time is right so i do want to make it clear that this algorithm doesn't make it so that you end up with a block every 5 minutes exactly on 5 minutes you know it's it's not that it's still a Poisson process uh, for for those not familiar with the mathematics of the terminology there basically what happens is is that you 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 target that you want a certain event to happen with a, with a, an average time or i'll just put it in terms of decret, you want a block to happen on average 5 minutes but the individual blocks themselves, you might have a block come in after one second or you might have a block come in after 10 minutes. So there's a, a distribution, that's, called, that's what the term that I just used. So if you look at the actual distribution, the way that it works out is that you, you generally are, you're gonna have a, a long tail where you have a very low probability of having these longer blocks where you, you for example, you might only have, I believe it, by the time you get the 99% of the blocks will be generated within 30 minutes. So you might have a, every 1% of the time, you might have a block that takes 30 minutes to be found. Whereas the vast majority of time on average though, you, those are all going to be um, averaged out so that it's five minutes. So you have some blocks that are one second, some blocks that are say 30 minutes, very few of them, but you might have one that's 30 minutes. But then you have a whole bunch of blocks that are one, five, 10 uh, seconds, a minute, two minutes. And so the average time is, it approaches that five minute. So the behavior that you just kind of described where, you might see it where it looks like a, a couple of blocks show up pretty fast next to each other. And then you're kind of waiting around for 10 minutes. That won't be any different. That's kind of part and parcel to the mining process. Uh, what I was kind of referring to though, is that uh, the, I, I kind of have to describe maybe a little bit of the way that the mining process works uh, currently as well as right now, the, the, the existing algorithm, the, the exponential moving average one, it works on the idea of, of windows. In fact, I think you guys might've seen the value that every 144 blocks right now, the difficulty changes. And so the point of that difficulty, as I mentioned, is to keep the target or the average target block time with in where the five minute where it's supposed to be. And so it does that by looking at all of the most recent blocks and the, the current algorithm. It has a whole it goes back a whole bunch of windows. So those 144 block windows and it will go back and each the most recent ones are weighted heavier, there's more emphasis, put on the most recent ones than the previous ones because the most you, you assume that whatever happened most recently is more relevant than whatever happened in the past. But you don't want to make it so that it only applies to the most recent things because then you have too much oscillation. Uh, so there's kind of a, a sweet spot. It's kind of like an optimization problem, if you will, that there's kind of a sweet, sweet spot to, okay, how much do I want to lend credence to the most recent changes versus the fact that, well, I don't want to put too much emphasis on it because then there's too much variance. But the, the end result of that is what you have is that the hash rate sort of oscillates over time. So, you know, you get your difficulty goes very high. And because the difficulty goes high, it, it, the, the profitability goes down. As the profitability goes down, hash power uh, leaves, and so on, and so you, you create this uh, sort of a sine wave going on. And so when, when I'm talking about the either the attack or the much longer, say potentially hour-long uh, confirmation times for transactions, the, the what happens there is that the oscillations are very are much larger than they should be. So you're going to have that baseline variance. Hopefully, this makes sense here. You're going to have that baseline variance that I mentioned, where you might have some blocks that are a few seconds, and some, and very, very rarely that block that's 30 minutes. That won't change but what will change are those huge oscillations that cause that amplify the effect so that it's even worse than it than it is going to be with just the normal typical variance inherent in the mining process hopefully that made sense uh,
0: yeah no dave that that you know yeah um I always kind of get into these things. I understand them a little bit. It's not until you kind of sit down and say, no, this is how it's got this is how it is and I really appreciate you going through that with me. That's absolutely amazing. now um I've got a couple more questions, but before before we go any further, um just want to say to anyone watching we've got like six people watching me. which was absolutely brilliant. um if you've got any questions for Dave if there's anything you want to know if you've got any general questions, absolutely just post them away and we we'll, we'll do a we'll do a little Q and a in, in a bit as well. um what we're a good good point Have you got any more questions. Um,
2: yeah, the main question I kind of had regarding to this, this change is, do you think uh, that there's a chance we will raise the proof of work reward again in the future? Maybe, maybe the GPU mining is just really successful and it's attractive to people. Maybe there's a possibility we can raise that number for 1%, maybe just a little bit higher. I was just wondering if you, you had any thoughts on that.
1: Well, I think start off by saying you know we can't discount anything because at the end of the day, it's a stakeholder should choose what to vote on or not. So, you know, it's a it's a possibility. I will say, like, for me personally, unless something drastic drastic changes, I, I really don't think that raising the power makes a lot of sense. Because, uh, you know, if you consider how far along we are in the emissions curve, number one, and then you also have to consider the negative consequences of highly profitable mining. Uh, so maybe I'll I'll describe like how the mining is supposed to work versus how it has been. So I think maybe that the, there's kind of this, I would say a misunderstanding that has cropped up over the years where pretty much everybody just kind of thinks that proof of work somehow magically is always better. And it always just works regardless. Um, That really isn't true. The whole purpose of proof of work, really its intended purpose is that it's supposed to behave similar to gold mining. In fact, that's why it's called mining. (laughs) That's where the name came from. And if you look at the way that gold mining historically worked and really even still works is that it's supposed to track the cost of production. So when the profitability goes up, your incentive, of course, to mine more uh, goes up, or in other words, to add hash power to the network. And that leads to more participants. And then similarly, once more people show up to mine, in the in the case of gold, you have more miners out there with picks or whatever or, or equipment working. Whereas in the mine, whereas with uh, with mining in terms of cryptocurrencies, there's more hash power shows up. But now you have more competition, and because you have more competition, the profitability should reduce accordingly. Uh, obviously, in Decred, that hasn't happened at all because the the PAL side, the proof of work side, simply isn't working properly, and that's because there's a monopoly. <laughs> and, and so, bricking all the ASICs is going to to break up that monopoly, but. It's kind of like so. If you reduce the actual, not reduce. If you increase, as you're saying, if there's, if you were to go ahead and increase the power ward, what is the effect that that's going to have? Well, you make it much more profitable. If you make it much more profitable, then what? What is a uh, what effect is that going to have? Generally speaking, on the actual value of the coin, it's going to make it go down, right? Because the kind of the expectation is is that usually. As the value of the coins increase, you want, you want mining to become more profitable because the value of the coin is increasing or the value of the asset, as opposed to you make it more profitable by just dumping more coins, which reduces the value, right? And so that's why, in my opinion, I don't really think it makes sense to raise it. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting that if you... If you look at uh, Monero, when they switched over to random X, they, they examined this kind of sin- situation scenario too. And it kind of works the inverse of the way that historically it's it's been approached. Because the way that you were just mentioning it, it, mentioning it is kind of historically how – it has been handled is the thought that, okay, well, we're going to make sure that mining profitable so that we attract a whole lot of hash power. And then because we have a whole lot of hash power, we have much more security to the network. That's going to encourage more people because it's secure to, to want to join in and so on. And so that's going to lead to uh, more value. But it, it, actually Monero, I think what Monero, when they did their research and everything, one of the things that they kind of realized, and I agree with their conclusion based on the data, is that it's actually the inverse that makes more sense right mining really shouldn't be sp- super profitable especially when the value of the coin is so low i think we're what i don't know maybe around 15 or uh, 0. 0.0005 uh, bitcoin at this point or something like that mining should not be profitable at such low rates <laughs> you, you know so that's why in my opinion i don't really think it unless something drastically changes now if the i guess that's the other thing to keep in mind is that if the value of the coin goes up the profitability of mining is going to go up with it so that's my take on it.
2: Very nice. Um, yeah, I had, I had another question. Uh, this is just—I I know you're a developer. The, you're the lead developer of Decred, but do you ever think about Decred's marketing? Do you have any maybe novel ideas? What What do you? What's your overall view of of what Decred is doing for marketing right now? Because you know that's that's a pretty important element of of spreading network effect, getting new people in, and of course the development's a major major part of that. Uh, but I was just wondering, do you have opinions on on, on marketing, or maybe a, an idea you've had? Well,
1: I, I pretty much, I guess you guys have probably noticed I said before, I I really try to stay out of the marketing side of things. It's really not my forte. Um, always deep in the consensus code. And often I, I think even if you guys have probably noticed on these shows, I, I have a tendency to kind of get very technical on things and, uh, that generally doesn't lend itself well to marketing, which is typically from what I've seen is a lot more about, uh, you know, hype based, uh, tidbits or quips to, that are really high level and don't really capture anything is like, Oh, this coin is great because it has a dog mascot or whatever, <laughs> things like that. So I, I certainly don't, uh, uh, kind of get involved in that side of things. Um, I think I will say that just from a, a standpoint of sort of a, somebody who isn't really involved in marketing or doesn't know a ton about it is that it does seem to me like you do kind of, I think one of the things that would probably be a beneficial is that we, we don't really, from what I've seen, it doesn't really get talked about enough. And I think that, and I think part of that comes down from what I've seen is that those of us who are kind of here all the time, it, really the people who are even doing a lot of the marketing we've been around for a long time and we're already super familiar with a lot of the things that are really neat about Decred. And so it kind of gets boring. I, I imagine it's just my take on it. I would think that for the people who are doing it, I know like for me personally, even talking about the same thing over and over for say years on end, isn't exactly the, the, the most fun thing to do. It kind of gets boring. So I think that because it's not really all that fun, a lot of the people doing the marketing don't really talk about, the things that are neat or don't want to continue talking about the, the same things that they've been talking about forever. But there are always new people that are that haven't heard it, that don't know about it. And so I think that, you know, putting this spending more time always talking about the things that are good it would be highly beneficial. Uh, versus I kind of get the the impression, again, I'm not involved. I could totally be off base here and wrong, but I kind of get the impression just based off the marketing that I do see is that it's a little bit more based on oh, well, here's this new thing that's coming out. Let's focus on talking about this great, this new shiny thing so much and not really talking about all the rest of it very much because it's kind of old hat, so to speak, or maybe they think it's boring. But, but it, to the people who are already familiar with it, it might be, but isn't the kind of the purpose? I would say a big purpose of marketing is to, to spread the word so that to get the information out to new people who aren't familiar with it. And to them, those things aren't, aren't boring, right?
2: Yeah, Decred certainly has a lot of moving parts and it's kind of easy to forget what makes it great. And as far as the new features, you know, cryptocurrency is just heavily focused on speculation. So that's why I think maybe why people have a tendency to look into, oh, what's coming? Um, and, and speaking of that, of, of what's coming, I, I don't know if you work on Bison really at all, but I've, I saw that they are they have the initial implementation of the stores, which I think is is super interesting. Um, you, you, just looking at the comments, how, how, how it's all going to work. And it's, it, it seems all very well planned. I don't know if you can speak at all on, on what's going on with the stores. Uh, I'm not sure if you're a developer on, in that, that area.
1: Uh, I don't work on it too much. Um, uh, I kind of give some technical feedback on certain aspects of it and everything. Um, I'm Somewhat aware of, uh, of of the idea of what's going on there, but basically, yeah, as you mentioned, there's kind of the idea that there there will be stores and it uh, you'll be able to accept payments uh, through. Of course, you are can can already get tips and you can already assign uh, amounts or, or cost to certain digital content. But uh, you know, basically, you'll be able to kind of create a storefront where you can have whatever for the most part, digital goods. I know there's work actually going into the uh, the physical aspect side of it. So that, for example, shipping and that kind of stuff, I know I've seen some commits go through that have to do with that. Uh, the, the actual specific details there, uh, I don't really know this, every all the details, but I do have, a like I said, the, the general gist of it is, I know that there the idea is that you'll be able to do uh, both digital as well as uh, physical if you want to now of course obviously you'll have to handle the shipping aspect of everything yourselves but it isn't uh, only limited to to digital content Uh, so i don't really have a ton more details there for you unfortunately
0: one thing i'll pitch in on before before the show started myself and dave were having a, a little conversation and um one thing dave brought up was about our last show um with the cake wallet and I think one of the guys had, had indicated that it was quite quite difficult to to kind of get started and uh, i mean do you want to make your point on that one day that was i thought that was quite an interesting one about it being quicker quicker than setting up coinbase
1: oh yeah i when i was watching the show i i, I think it was vic but i one of the people that were there said that uh, at one point that they had kind of tried to use the the, the decks and they, they found it kind of difficult to get set up and I was actually kind of curious what I had asked Phoenix before the, the show there. I asked him, I said, well, I wonder if you guys had kind of dug into that because I, one of the things I, I'm always curious about whenever I hear somebody say that something is, is challenging is you know, what do they find challenging about it? So we can, what, what can we do to make it better, right? To make it less challenging. So that, that was the primary motivation for the question. But one of the, the things that the reason that that particular comment stood out to me is because I, I've actually worked with people uh, in setting up, uh, you know, outside, for, uh, th- that have never been involved in crypto at all. And it's easier to get going with with DEX than it is to get on Coinbase because you don't have to deal with a lot of things like KYC or, you know, you have to... Uh, when I was working with people. Nowadays, you actually have to send them pictures of your driver's license, take a picture. Hi, you know, this is me. And so you have to go through all this this entire process that takes several days before you can ever even uh, ex- exchange a single coin on, on Coinbase, for example. And then so, but on the decks, they, you're set up and going particularly if you already have any kind of cryptocurrency I, obviously the, the the first part of getting from fiat is the is the challenging part but it's it's kind of like i've the and the people that i work with had the same comments that wow this is this is even easier than that like so it, it kind of stood out to me as, as being like, okay I, I would really like to know specifically what it was that they found challenging because it, so that we can can improve that part of it
0: yeah see in terms of marketing, that's one of the things that I'd like to focus on is actually short snippets. I think we talked about this before, where we say, look, this is how easy it is. Bang, bang, bang. And it's done. And show people, Actual fact, yes, it's not a mobile app. And I think that's what puts a lot of people off. Is, oh, I want it on my mobile phone or whatever. And it's like, well, okay. But just because it's not a mobile app doesn't mean it's not simple. Oh, yeah, but it's it's, it's not really. It's, you just need to understand how to, to use desktop apps. Desktop, um, machines really but and it was i thought that was a really good point As actual fact how dcred is represented as being quite technical and quite tough is i think is probably something from the past because when it comes to dcr decks i i, I well i was saying to dave before the show i set my brother up with it last week and although he didn't have any decred, it from going from setting up um, deck c all the way to going into view mode literally took less than less than five minutes you know um so yeah and it's the same with from relay when you look at when you look at the um prepaid video that i did recently i literally had that set up obviously it was with myself on two different machines but it literally didn't take very long to get all of that set up which was really 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 awesome but um yeah maybe that's something we should focus on with marketing just my my five cents of course <laughs> that
1: makes
0: sense. um excess it looks like we've got a couple of questions are they any good
2: uh yeah i I'm surprised. I, I, would, I would have thought we would have more questions, but we have two from Tamash. He says, how do you personally feel about Decred officially not courting the proof of work side of the network anymore after the change goes into effect?
1: Um, I, I pretty, you know, I kind of agree with that. I do think that we want to retain PAL, at least, certainly for the foreseeable future, because it does actually provide some nice benefits. One of the, the major benefits is you, that it provides is actually it's a really excellent source of entropy that's very difficult to get from uh, in a pure proof of stake system. And uh, the reason that that's kind of important is that it's not impossible to do it with pure proof of stake, but you can kind of run into a situation where once the existing stakeholders have captured the system there's basically nothing you could ever do to undo it. Uh, and so that's kind of one of the big uh, downsides that it really has to be dealt with, with proof of stake. And because proof of work, it, every single block is constantly injecting entropy into the system that changes the, the votes that get selected and that the, so because the, that is something completely outside of the control of the stakeholders in terms of the, that, that amount of entropy, it makes it impossible. It really kind of actually increases the security, makes it so much harder for any kind of proof of stake capture to, to, to happen. Whereas in a pure proof of stake system, if you somehow mess up in the your, your algorithm that you're using to try and feed entropy in the system, it's sort of like a self uh, feeding entropy in, in, in the proof of stake system. So if you end up in that situation where if anybody, for example, just to, to, to make it a little bit easier to, to consider, it's like, let's say that you ever have a scenario where a single stakeholder ends up getting every single vote in a block. If that were ever to happen under proof of stake, unless you have other mechanisms to fight it, and there are some, but it gets very complicated. And, and if you mess this up, you could end up in a situation I'm about to describe. It's like if you had it in the situation where you weren't properly combating against it, you could end up having, if you had a case where just by pure random chance, somebody ended up getting all five, the same stakeholder who would, with malicious intent, ended up getting all the votes, they could literally control it from then on, period, forever because they would be able to choose the next votes that are chosen. And they just choose themselves over and over and over and over and over. And so you you could get into that type of situation under proof, proof of stake. There are, of there course, ways to combat that. But you don't even have the possibility of that occurring, for example, when you have the, the hybrid system, because you constantly have that external source of entropy injecting it in there. And so that's one of the, the major benefits. And so get, moving away from that, I think, is is uh, something that it really it requires a lot of thought, and it even has a, a bit of danger involved in there because you know if you if you overlook something when you're going to these type of systems, that that is a very real possibility, or just one of the potential issues that can can arise. So I do think that uh, it, it's certainly worth keeping it around, but I do agree with the, the the other the premise of the question. I think one of the main premises that. Uh, I'm pretty sure at this point, I think it's pretty, pretty clear that we're not courting proof of work anymore. And in fact, if I'm of the mind that if ASICs get developed for the new algorithm, I'm just going to propose that we change it again. Uh, You know, at this point, uh, it's pretty clear to me that it it really, all the theory around ASICs and the way that things should work, in theory, it sounds great. It clearly doesn't work that way. There are too many other factors that weren't, that didn't go into the theory there that have been discovered over the years. And Basically, you look at every coin at this point outside of Bitcoin that, in fact, it even is true to a certain degree in Bitcoin, but because they were the first, they sort of kind of got over the curve, so to speak. But if you look at pretty much any proof of work coin, they all have these same type of problems. They all have this massive centralization that ultimately ends up going, unless you go with some other algorithms such as, you know, like the, that have other downsides, like RandomX, for example. I think for now they've managed to uh, do a fairly good job of staving off uh, ASICs, for example, but there are other downsides to it. So um I guess the short answer is, is that we, we want to, I think we want to keep proof of work, certainly, but uh, courting them and treating them as, uh, you know, in terms of like being super special and giving them actual, uh, a larger portion of the reward or something like that. Uh, definitely. I, I think, no, it, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. I agree.
2: yeah I agree. Okay. Great. Uh, he has one more question. He says, do you see the new rules as a reset in a re-leveling of the playing field? where we attract only the best aligned people and only accommodating more hash rate in lockstep with the recovering price.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think that that's actually uh, one of the main kind of points of getting rid of the existing A6 is that, you know, if you kind of look at the way that it it is right now um, being conservative, uh, essentially there's roughly about 7,500 coins that are being generated every month uh, that are are going to The, the, the ASIC miners. And we know that at least 90% of those are the same entity or, you know, or a small number of people who are, who are all sharing control. So effectively, the, the point is that all of those coins are kind of going to a very small uh, minority right now. So by, by breaking those ASICs, it's going to open it back up again, where we'll have real competition again. Now of course there is the the possibility that perhaps they have big the same people that are that are currently run the ASICs they might have big GPU farms too particularly if they're they're big players and they might be able to do it but the reduction in the 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 subsidy is going to reduce that down to well, a tenth of it right so roughly what 750 and so you're gonna because there will be more competition they certainly or very are very unlikely to end up with that exact same you know most of it but even if they did it's still going to drastically cut that down um, and the other big thing is that because uh, this kind of goes back to what i was mentioning earlier about the 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 way that you really don't want mining to be super profitable in at, at the current time you want that profit to come retroactively you want the profit to actually be a result of the increase of the value of, of the coin and so i i do think that you know when you actually look at the uh, we, we mentioned earlier or i mentioned earlier that According to profitability, uh, where the profitability point is, it'll probably be roughly between one and two terahashes uh, per second as far as the hash rate is, is that because that mining rate or because the profitability is so low, I would expect that the people who do choose to mine are very likely to be much more aligned with the interest of the network in doing it because they think that there's future value to be had rather than just looking to earn a quick buck, which is the case right now. Because even still, even the fact we reduced the the... the the profitability or the, the mining uh, split per previously from from 60% to 10%. It's still quite profitable for the existing miners to mine Decred, uh, which is why if you, you look, I mean the hash rate has gone down, but the hash rate is still you know, 50 50 to 55 petahashes, which is massive, right? There's that's why because it's still highly profitable, and so by reducing it even further, it's going to reduce that profitability point, and hopefully in the longer term, you know what that'll imply is that you're we 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 hopefully will get more people that this, this question is asking where because it re levels the playing field it hopefully attract more people that are aligned with the actual long-term health of the project as opposed to those sort of and that also ties back into why you know part of changing the algorithm the the difficulty algorithm mentioned earlier it, by changing the difficulty algorithm, we make it so that it is more profitable or at least every bit as profitable to steady mine versus that switch hit mining. We like, we were the, you know, the switch, uh, the, the hit and run mining or the switch mining. We really don't want to incentivize that behavior because that's exactly the, the opposite of what we want. We don't want people that are just looking up to grab or showing up to, to grab a quick buck. Um, and then I guess one more important part of that that I, I didn't mention earlier that I think is, is relevant is that another aspect of proof of work mining that. Uh, tends to uh, be a a positive aspect is when it talks about coin distribution, right? Of course, that's one of the big um, talking points that people usually who are against proof of stake mention is that, well, you know, what about coin distribution? Proof of work works really well for coin distribution, whereas proof of stake doesn't. that actually isn't the case, uh, as we've seen, you know, because obviously almost all the coins uh, went to a single, you know, uh, to, to the, the ASIC miners, to a single entity, but, and, and much more, there are much more stakeholders. But even if you consider that to be to be true, uh, if you want to consider that to be the case, is that we're really far down the emissions curve now. And as a result, there there aren't as many coins that are left to be distributed. So we've already had that distribution phase. In fact, that because the the amount that we're going to miners was so high, the one positive aspect of everything that's been done, although there have been a lot of negative consequences, one positive consequence of TS's activities has been that the coins are actually quite well distributed now, because despite them having all gone to essentially a single entity, because they've had to use all those coins and they've been using them to beat the crap out of the market for so long, they've sold... Uh, a lot of them, <laughs> like, you know, a very large, millions of them, in fact. So those coins have, in fact, been distributed, uh, without a doubt. So that has, has been a positive aspect of it. But because we're further down the emissions curve now, that the distribution, the, the the good distribution has already happened. And now, because there are a lot of stakeholders, that distribution will continue through that channel. And so I, I do, yes, I, I I think that question is, is very student. and I, I agree. I think it is a re of the playing field, and then it hopefully will uh, ultimately end up, aligning the the people who choose to the mine there, there will hopefully be more aligned with the project than the current ones
0: yeah th- thanks so, Dave. I, one thing i was considering um last year when when we went went through the first subsidy split was what's the possibility of actually getting new ASIC miners you know to kind of to redistribute at, even at that stage obviously because decode was still asig mineable at that point, and still is currently um, and it, it kind of resulted to me that actual fact, as time progresses, if we if we stick on this path of just being ASIC mineable, we're probably just going to end up with all this second-rate hardware rather than any kind of innovation. Whereas one thing that occurs to me now is, yes, you can mine with um, CPU, but obviously GPU is the way that it probably will be mined. Um, you are going to be able to use just common, readily available hardware, um, set it up yourself and, and be able to do that, which... I, I think it's actually a, a massive bonus, especially if we are sticking at those really low, those low hash rates. Um, which, I mean, how did you feel about that initially? Did you did you feel something along the same lines that you know the actual before we decided to go down this path? Of course, if if the ten percent had worked, did you feel that we were going to hit a problem with the ASICs eventually, like not having any new ones, or was that?
1: Well, no, because. Technically, again, this is where it goes back to theory and things obviously didn't work that way. But theoretically speaking, the way that it should work, again, as I mentioned before, is that the way proof of work mining is supposed to work is that cost of production is supposed to track, right? And so as a result, what should have happened is the value of the coin were going up it mining becomes more profitable. And as mining becomes more profitable, now you have incentive to create ASICs because I mean, if you look at, for example, this is what happened to Bitcoin as the price of Bitcoin went up more and more faster ASICs were created. Uh, so, but if, as long as we're in this, the, the cycle that we've been in where, you know, the current, uh, it wasn't enough basically to combat the, the activities, obviously. Uh, and so there is no incentive now to create new ASICs at all in, because there, you know, it's, it's already, it's still profitable. For the existing ASICs, but it's not at all profitable for new ASICs. It wouldn't be. So it, somebody, I mean, why would anybody want to spend millions of dollars that they they're literally just gonna to do it to lose money on? So that so uh, you know the way it, see, it kind of shakes out is that I see exactly if we weren't to make this change to change the hashing algorithm, there's literally zero chance of new of new ASICs at this point, in my opinion. So, uh, but then the other thing is kind of like I guess to to something that you had mentioned is that. You know, kind of like we had actually thought about changing the hashing algorithm back the first time around. Uh, One of the main reasons that, you know, we didn't want to do it is that uh, despite the fact that, you know, we kind of like proof of work, or we have historically. And it really, you know, I'll just be perfectly transparent about it is that, uh, you know it really was a, a, a big blow to discover that proof of work really just doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. I mean, you know, we, we knew that obviously that uh, centralization was a, was a big issue. And that's why the, the staking system, the proof of the hybrid system was created anyway to address it. But you know, the, the actual point of fact that the way that it all works out is that it kind of, you, you, the, the part that we overlooked, and we mentioned this before, the part that we overlooked is that, well, but then you can use those coins to actually control the market. And if you can control the market, it, it gives you, you, you kind of wield a whole bunch more power that, from the other side of things. Whereas like, okay, sure, you can't attack the network in terms of the security of the, the, the ability to double spin, for example, but you can certainly attack it through the markets. And so, you know, that's kind of thing. And so, you know, we always liked proof of work. So didn't, you know, it really kind of hurts in a certain way to be, uh, to be perfectly transparent, but it really kind of hurts the fact that we have to take such a hardline stance against the proof of work miners, particularly because I'm the kind of person where I really don't like for people to lose money. And, uh, and so it really, when you kind of think about it from a certain standpoint, it's like, okay, well, people spent money to get this hardware and the only use for this hardware is to mine Decred. And you know we're having to break it and break it. So let's say that you happen to be somebody who just recently picked up that uh, miner and you paid a bunch of money for it, and now it isn't going to work. And so clearly that for those people that that happened to, you know, unfortunately, the side effect of that is that they're going to lose money. And, you know, I, I don't like that at all. But, you know, I mean, this is, as we mentioned, really, it, it has to happen. And so it's that, kind of like the, the, the way that it shakes out. So I mentioned that just to say that when we were talking about courting minors and not courting minors, it's like, I know it probably sounds like, especially after this whole thing that, you know, I'm super like anti-minor and everything. I'm really not. It's just that it's the unfortunate reality is that it doesn't work the way that it's theoretically supposed to. And so, you know, we we really don't have a choice but to change it. But I'm not, in the grand scheme of things, I'm really not happy about the fact that we have had to do it. (laughs) I really don't like it, but it's necessary and it's the right thing to do.
0: And I think it's such a, a massive, drastic change as well. And I mean, even when the first one came up, I was, I was kind of like, whoa, God, this is this is a massive change in philosophy." But then when when you guys brought brought this one up and and actually bricking the ASICs, you know, it, it was it was absolutely shocking. And, and I think um, at, at that point, um, maybe it was inevitable. And certainly, looking at the research, where it was it was still continuing. So. It is. It is a shame, and I think. Yeah, I, I do sympathise with anyone that has um, lost money on on new miners. But like you say, most most now should be massively in profit. Oh, they
1: I were think. paid off a long time ago, years ago. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> because, uh, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a new a new ASIC for for at least three years, and uh, maybe I'm wrong about that. But yeah, um, excess that. Yeah. Any any other questions we got? got? Uh, no, I'm a bit
2: surprised. I was expecting the, the chat to be filled with questions for Dave. Uh, I, have, I have a final question. I know we're at the uh, hour mark here. Um, obviously, 2023 has big, been a really big year with these consensus changes and everything's gone you know, really smooth just far. I believe we have about 23 more days of uh, this this uh, locking period before the changes go live, which is amazing. Um, so Decred is all about evolution and uh, getting better over time. A question is, uh, what new development features or ideas uh, do you think are going to come Decred's way maybe at the end of the year or sometime in 2024? I know they've been working on the peer-to-peer mixing for the privacy, which is really, really cool. And obviously the Bison Relay developments and, of course, the DEX team is, is uh, you know, I, I saw that they were working on Polygon integration, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, I was just wondering if you had any insights on what maybe what's coming.
1: I think you pretty much covered it. I think the main things are going to be uh, there for, there'll be uh, a lot more uh, coming to Bison relay uh, there. Also uh, decks. I think that one of the big things that we'd like to get there is more of the mesh network. So there's more than just the, the the single server. It's already decentralized of course, but you want to be able to share the order book amongst multiple servers as opposed to right now it's decentralized in the sense that you can run it on multiple servers, of course. And then the, 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 the atomic swaps are obviously decentralized uh, by their very nature, but uh, there's really for the order book, purposes or the, the meeting place that, that uh, will be getting decentralized as well, called the Mesh Network. I think that's pretty exciting. Um, also, as you mentioned, uh, another big thing that I'm, I'm pretty excited about is the uh, peer-to-peer mixing as well. Because, uh, again, uh, when you look at it right now, the meeting place, again, the, obviously the mixing process itself is very decentralized, but the actual meeting place isn't. And so that will decentralize the, the, the meeting place, so to speak, and uh, put it all throughout the network. Um, so that, that that's another big one. And then uh, I I think that's probably the, the the biggest things coming up in the in the near future. Uh, a little bit more in the future, I, I think that uh, we'll be looking at some of the some more uh, ideas in terms of. Uh, I think Jake had mentioned it before. We'll probably look at doing uh, something along the lines of doing NFTs properly. Something like... I think no, those probably the major ones.
0: You just set the internet alight with that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. I I know a lot of work. I know,
2: Dave, you work on DCRD, and I know a ton of work goes into that. Of course, a lot of that work isn't necessarily exciting to the larger cryptocurrency user base, but it's super, super important. So I want to thank you for just uh, keeping that, uh, you know, the DCRD SPV syncing super fast and lightweight and all that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. It isn't always the most glamorous thing for me, as you mentioned, from a user perspective, but you can really... uh see the the effect of it all whenever you you try to sync the network for example when you're actually using it so i appreciate that thank you
0: yeah yeah absolutely um really good work there was one question since uh since no one in the audience wants to ask a question i do have one question and that was about the um the other part of the um consensus change i believe which is the minimum fee is that right Uh, minimum uh, transaction fee is that part of this new new one um where you have to actually have uh f- oh, i've messed up now I- i'll ask it you'd <laughs> ask
1: okay Did you- I- i'm not sure about a minimum fee there uh, oh look at the questions
0: I th- uh, no it's not it's not part of my list It okay. was just a, a question i was having um i noticed a, a few months ago there was there was transactions in the mempool that had like lower than the minimum fee and apparently that was that was part of the oh, percentage okay. exchange but, i got you. Right. sorry i didn't yeah. phrase it very well okay
1: no, that's fine. Uh, no, it, it's not a consensus change. That's just a, a relay policy change. Uh, so yeah, okay, I got you. So currently, um, yeah, that's, that's that's a good thing to talk about. It's, it's a nice change because uh, it has a good user effect. Uh, right now, the way that things work is that historically speaking, there was the whenever you send out a transaction, the transaction goes out to the network. And Of course, it gets it gets added to all the the memory pools and, and it's waiting to get mined. Well, if you pay too low of a fee, the miners won't mine it because they're, they're not going to mine anything underneath a certain uh, value, typically speaking. So uh, it used to be that whenever once you spent a transaction, that there's really nothing you could do about it to increase its fee. or to So you could have ended up in a situation where you have a, a, a transaction that paid too low of a fee uh, essentially getting stuck forever, because if a miner never mines it and there's no way to increase the fee, it never gets mined so in order to combat that uh what we did a long time ago this is actually back at launch the the way it was at launch is there's a there was a priority based system that uh it considered how old the coins were that were being spent and that age Factored into a calculation that increased the that uh, was the priority. So rather than only considering the fee for inclusion in a block where a miner chooses to mine that transaction just according to the fee, they really were choosing the transactions based upon their priority. And there were a few other factors that went into that, but one of the main ones was that age. And so the result of that is, as time went on, the age would increase, and as the age increased, it would increase the priority. So ultimately if you paid a transaction that was too low of a fee, it wouldn't get stuck forever because that priority would raise over time and it would get to a point that eventually it would be at the minimum priority necessary to be mined. And so we addressed it. Well, um, I'll, I'll probably what has been a couple of years now, I want to say, I'd have to go look to be exact, but we implemented, uh, the CS, the actual, uh, um, child pays for parent CFPP. What is it? Uh, CPFP, child pays for parent, we implemented that. And the, what that allows you to do is it allows you to create a new transaction that spends the output of an unconfirmed or a transaction that hasn't been mined yet. And, incre- and then you consider that entire chain as, as the, the overall fee of the entire chain is considered rather than just the fee of that one transaction. Or to put it simply, it allows you to increase the fee that a transaction pays with by spending the output even before it's been mined. Uh, that gives you a way to avoid that situation that I mentioned before, where you could end up with a transaction that is too low and, and without any kind of priority to raise it, you could en- you would end up potentially in that other situation that I described. But now that, that is the preferred way, and it's a much better way to handle the situation than the uh, priority-based system. We now no longer have the priority. It's straight uh, straight based off fee. And the, 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 the important part of that, of the user-facing aspect of it, why that's much better is that because the priority was based on multiple factors, what you would see if you paid or you created a transaction that paid too too little or too low of a fee, you kind of get an error, an error message that didn't necessarily make sense. It would say something like the priority of whatever is beneath the minimum required of, of whatever this other value is. And the thing is, though, is that, as I mentioned, that priority value would change over time. And moreover, that minimum priority value that was allowed was also dependent upon the number of transactions in the block, and a whole bunch of other things that kind of came into play, and essentially what that means is that it's pretty confusing from a user perspective, because all you would see is like, okay, well, this transaction has too low of a priority. Well, okay, well, what do I do? Nothing, right? You just had to wait, and it, and then, and then because it would allow it to go through too, though, you would, you wouldn't even necessarily have the opportunity to not send out that transaction because it would just accept it and then assume that okay well you pay too low of a fee whatever it's got a low priority over time it's going to uh, increase and it'll be good but now what happens is is that if you pay too low of a fee it just outright gets rejected so if you mess up if you're trying to say uh, I could give you an exact example of, of where uh, some something that happened uh, unfortunately to some people is that uh, one of the hardware wallets created they, they messed up and they were creating transactions that were too low fee but because those transactions weren't rejected people were end up they ended up where they were the every transaction that was being spent from that hardware wallet was too low of a fee. And then it would just have to sit there for some indeterminate amount of time until that priority that I mentioned raised enough. And and of course, you know, uh, people were rightfully <laughs> uh, or understandably uh, like, well, what the heck, well, when is this thing going to get mine? Or like, well, sorry, I can't really tell you, you just got to wait. And so that's not a, not a good user experience. So, but now, because like I mentioned, because the, we have that ability to, to, for a new transaction to be created, it, it now just works straight up off the fee and it's a much better user experience where in a sense of if, if somebody like a hardware wallet messes up, for example, in, in that exact case and tries to create a transaction with too low of a fee, it just gets rejected instead of having that other scenario that i described.
0: Uh, thanks for clarifying that, Dave. I, um, yeah, sorry, sorry about the rubbish, rubbish phrasing, but I was, I was just curious. So a few months ago, I saw a whole bunch of transactions that were like, a, well, say a few months, probably almost a year ago now, um, where, where they, they were like stuck for 30 days. Right. And I remember you saying something that it was getting... Right, that's, that's
1: actually what happened is that those transactions were stuck because uh, somebody else implementing wallet software made a mistake and they sent it out to the network. But because it's okay, it wasn't illegal to do it. It, they ended up with all these transactions. They weren't really stuck. It's just that they were didn't get mine for, uh, until that priority raised enough. But because the transactions were created with such a low fee, because they were way lower than they were supposed to be, it took, I think, like, what, two, a month and a half or almost two months for yeah, the priority was, to rise yeah. enough. And, that, and in the meantime, had a bunch of people with essentially stuck funds that weren't, obviously, you know, weren't, weren't very happy about that.
0: Well, I, yeah, I was surprised when I was looking at the transactions, there was some in there with, with quite a large amount of, of funds in there, not... Not massive, but certainly into the tens. Um, which, yeah, I, and I remember you saying something. I, but that—that's brilliant. Thank you for, for clarifying that. We do have another question, though. If you're if you're up for this one, sure. Um, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Right, oh, uh,
2: uh Possum Possum opossum asks uh, quick question: Why is the minimum trade size in the Dex forty decred when trading with Bitcoin?
1: Because the fees. Well, so I guess. For those who aren't familiar, whenever you're trading on the, the DEX at a centralized exchange, or using what's known are atomic swaps. So those transactions, those are actual transactions on the chain. Unlike when you're dealing with most centralized exchanges, it's just an entry in a database. So whenever you actually make a trade on the DEX, uh, you have to create a transaction on both chains. And well, both parties actually have to create a transaction on both chains. And so those transactions incur a, a fee. Uh, transaction fee, the network transaction fee, that is. Well, of course, the DEX itself doesn't charge a fee for the trade, but the, the transactions have to pay the fee. And Bitcoin is pretty much always congested. And as a result, because they have uh, such uh, small block sizes, the fees can vary wildly. And in fact, quite common what happens is, is those fees can, uh, the transaction fee that I'm talking about, can actually sometimes be two, three, four dollars or more. So if you don't have a lot size enough where you're trading enough uh, of decred or bitcoin for relative to the price the transaction fee all of the trade would be eaten up by the fee by the transaction fee so it has to be high enough where you're only paying a small percentage of the trade for the transaction fees and that's that's why
2: yeah i believe the goal was uh, so that you don't pay over one percent uh in fees uh, and of course the price has been really volatile it's kind of come down a bit uh the bitcoin price changes a lot as well i, I do think that, i know there's been a lot of discussion about lowering it down from 40 d um, obviously with the, the prices right now it's it's probably okay
1: yeah i, I mean i'm since i don't directly work on the decks I, I can't speak specifically i mean i would imagine what i think should probably happen is that i would say that it would probably make more sense to lower the lot size, but then look at the actual current and kind of give a uh, some information that says that, you know, the fees are expensive right now. If you choose to go through with this, it's gonna you know be like five percent of the trade or something really high. Are you sure? <laughs> kind of thing, right? Whereas uh, that way a user can choose. I, I, I mean, it still it does make sense why it is the way that it is because clearly, I mean, do you really want to make a trade if you're gonna lose half of it in network fees? Well, probably not. But I mean, I. I I think maybe giving the user a choice so that when there are these periods like like you just mentioned now that where a lower lot size would make sense, at least the option would be there. Uh, you know, I, I think that's probably not a bad idea. I'll bring it up. They may not be, you know, amenable to the idea or not, uh, but uh, that might might make sense because obviously you got to consider the complexity too, right? You know, the more type of these type of things that you add, the more questions that people have to answer, and it, it, it complicates the process. So there, there's certainly a trade-off there, but. It, it certainly is a, it's a sticking point i think that you know, i understand that you know 40 having having a lot size at 40 can can be a large amount for people but that really is the reason you know it, it can it can those fees the the transaction fees can, can eat up a lot of the trade if you don't have a lot size that's large enough to to make it uh, make sense
2: yeah, and anyone, I think a lot of people when they first try this technology, they want to do a small trade to make sure it works without any hiccups. Now, of course, right now with the Litecoin pair, it's super deep. It's basically no fees, and the lights, uh, the lot size is super small, so that's a really good alternative. But yeah, I, I certainly would like to see that, or uh, the lot size decrease for the Decred Bitcoin pair. And like you said, maybe have it as an option to where you know it lets the users know how much of you know what the fees are. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a that's a really uh, good idea. Yeah,
0: I, absolutely. I, I, I think, think all that's of these, all the these,
2: questions. I, I don't know, Phoenix, if you had any extra questions.
0: Uh, I could talk to Dave for hours, so but I better not. <laughs> but um, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on, Dave. I I, I love picking your brain, um, and I, and I love kind of getting all this this feedback because it's always genuine to the point, which is is basically what. Anyone that's looking into cryptocurrency needs you need to know the facts. I don't want to hear a fluff story. I don't want to hear any of this. I just want to know what what this this means. And, and I think anyone that's watched this or watching this in the future will, will see that they've kind of hit everyone every question on the head. And it's been to the point. It's been brilliant. And I, I really appreciate that. Dave, thank you so much. Um, I don't think there's any more questions, so I think we'll kind of we'll call it there. Does, do you guys want to say one final point? Let's uh, let's work around. to so, exit. Have you got a final point? Um, yeah,
2: I'm just really excited for this change to go through. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you know how GPU mining goes, uh, how many people choose to participate in it, um, and I think we're we're gearing up for a nice 2024. Obviously, right now we're in a pretty deep crypto bear market, crypto winter where there really isn't too much activity. And from a marketing standpoint, it's it's quite difficult to to get people excited when when you're kind of in this environment. You know as far as Decred vanguard goes and in pushing out the, the the good word of decred um but we are brainstorming new ideas and i think we're like i said we're, we're going to be prepared for when the bull market comes so I'm, I'm really excited for that and it's it's been great to talk to dave and, and hear all the uh you know uh, going in depth on on this uh this consensus change
0: yeah absolutely thank you it's uh, always a pleasure uh dave the final word goes to you
1: oh I just want to say thanks to you guys for continuing to do these shows. I think it's important to you know have these and talk about the changes and kind of get the information out there. So you know, I certainly appreciate you guys putting this together. Um, I'll also mirror what Exodus just said. I think that, uh, you know, obviously – when things are in a deep bear market as we have been uh, I've kind of, this just what I've noticed, I think that some people kind of, you know, get, get a little bit checked out <laughs> during these, these times. But I, th- I think if you guys have noticed, you know, we're, we're obviously continuing to to produce, continuing to code up new things where new features are coming. And I, I you know, I think that uh, especially with this change that's coming up, the reduction in the coins, the, the number of coins that are going to the, the, uh, the entities that has been uh, manipulating the market. Um, I'm actually quite positive for the for the future. I think that we're, we're kind of kind of. Getting to a point where there's sort of a perfect storm, where uh, you know, if, if, if there's some kind of a pop in a bull market, it, it, it'll very likely be uh, quite an epic pop because there's really just not a lot of supply left. that's free out there. I think if you you know you can actually look at the amount of coins that are staked, you look at the amount of coins that are going through mixing. Uh, I, I just saw going through the the journal, the Decred journal that's going to come out. Uh, literally, pretty much every single metric is all-time high again in terms of the, the amount of pri- the amount of coins that are, have been mixed, the the uh, actual uh, the amount of uh, privacy. the Percentage of points that are private. Uh, pick a metric. Basically, it's all all-time high. So you know, I, I'm pretty optimistic for, for the future, uh, despite the fact that obviously right now we're 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 in a bear market and people are some people are are, are, are unhappy and checked out. Uh, nevertheless, I I'm really looking forward to to uh, the future. I think that uh, we're, we're, we're kind of setting up a perfect storm here.
2: Yeah, and hey, we we uh, we're getting the Cake wallet integration. I saw uh, your show last week, Phoenix. It was it's really cool to see. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. Things are forming up very nicely. It, despite what the price says, this, despite what the volume shows, uh, I think it's it's all coming together. Uh, perfect storm is a, is a really good term for that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and we'll do this again for sure. <laughs> See you, everyone. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. It's very, very off the radar, very, very technical. I know you just don't understand what this does and as soon as you do you'll switch everything